Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast. This is episode 46 in your home for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I am your host, Brodinky, and with me, as always, is my good friend, none other than Detroit Rock Schmitty. Schmitty, what's going on? Nothing much, my friend. How are you doing? Pretty tired. One of my three busy weekends of the year, but plowing through and here to do another episode tonight. How about yourself? Oh, you know, man, always uh, staying busy. Uh, I feel like it should be like Post Malone tattooed on my face. Always tired. Yeah, um, I hear that. <laughs> but, you know, uh, no, things are good. And you're recording another episode, uh, getting ready for some more travel uh, here coming up for work. But uh, getting ready also for the uh, the long weekend ahead. So. Yes, and a, a happy Labor Day. This will be dropping on Labor Day. Happy Labor Day to everybody celebrating in the U.S. Uh, for those not in the U.S., it's a national holiday where we kind of remember everybody who has put in work for our country, more or less. <laughs> works hard for us yeah. and for our country. So, very cool. Um, yeah, man. So, what's up? Uh, not too much. Again, like I said before, I've been taking it easy a little bit on the content and i haven't been posting much and stuff i've been uh doing little stuff here and there entering names slowly but surely into excel every day so i could pick a winner for that arab dial seiko i'm almost there um on top of work obviously and uh trying to keep up on things my dms i've been i've been finally getting back to a lot of them and i don't know i you know it's been so long since I, i've been a i guess a normie where i can't remember if everybody has this feature or not, but when you go to your messages, at least for me, I have primary, then I have another category that's general, and then a third category that's requests. And if I don't uh, know yeah. you, that's where you go is requests. And yeah, it honestly yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't even show me that the messages come in. They're just buried in there. And eventually I find them and I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, a lot of them are just like uh, laughing faces in response to stories or something like that, or like a, fire emoji for a wrist shot or something but then i get other ones and i read through them sometimes or i can at least preview them and i don't have to look like i even read them which is fine but something that uh irks me i guess a little bit and i remember what it's like being a burgeoning content creator okay i remember what it's like Mm -hmm. trying to get out there trying to talk to people and be social but there's a right way and a wrong way. Okay. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. There's a right way and a wrong way. Okay. Now there's a message I have from somebody and all it says is hello with a wavy, wavy emoji. And judging by the person's name, I can already tell that they have their own micro brand. And I, it's already a no. I know what you want. It's a no already. Have you seen me push anybody's microbrand? No. Didn't think so. Right. We had Akbar on the show. He he's been a friend of mine since we since I started the page, basically. He was like one of the first people to be like, oh, you're a funny guy. I like you. Like there was no, oh, let's team up and promote my microbrand. No, we he's a friend of mine who owns a microbrand. There's a difference. Right. So there's those. And then there's there's somebody else in there who I, I must have deleted his messages before. And I just don't remember. But it's like checking in again. Like, 
we could meet up and uh, do some content together and, you know, I can, I can come on your pod and I'm like, no, no, that's not how that works either. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, we don't have that many guests, right? We usually have a guest if you're not going to be around or if something really cool comes on, like, like when we kind of stumbled across Tom. Yeah, Tom's, for sure. For right? sure. Or, and then think about anybody else we've had, right? We've had Kelly who's pretty well known. We've had, like I said, Akbar, we've the restoring guys. These are people doing their thing. These aren't people nobody's ever heard of. That's just, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. And again, we were all that person at one time. So I, I will not deny that. And I have an appreciation for it, but again, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about that. Some other advice for people, if you're going to approach somebody or a group, whatever, an entity, let's just say an entity, have a plan, like have something laid out because (laughs) it makes it much easier to just say yes to things as opposed to, well, let's brainstorm this. Well, no, I'm a busy person and I already have my own thing going on. Like I stand to gain very little probably from this. You should be brainstorming this and come up with something good to the point where I'm going to want to say yes. Yeah. The elevator pitch, right? When I, when I, approach oris or nomos i have a thorough layout like tip to tail ready to go of like this is how it's going to go it's going to be great all you got to do is say i'm in and look what happens success yeah absolutely right? there's a little back and forth but aside from that it's mostly wow that's well thought out and appears to be a pretty good plan let's do it makes it makes sense for us let's go <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. If you're going to be yeah. that person, and and, and honestly, have man, that's planned. Just, that's just that's just anything. That's that's even just like business. That's anything in in general. You know, it's it's having a having a plan, formulating that plan, and, and trying to execute it as best as you can. But at least having a plan, because you're right. I mean, like you're a busy guy. You meme farm, and I, it sounds kind of crazy, and and it's not like it's you know crazy difficult, but it is. It's it, it's extremely time consuming. In addition to the job that you work so hard at, you know, same thing for me. Always on the road. We we film the, we we uh, we record these things when we can. You know, it's crazy. Have a plan. But have have a plan, right? Have a plan. Yeah. Same thing. If you're gonna approach your approach your boss about something, have a plan. Even if even if you're complaining about something that's not working out, say I tried X, Y, and Z. I went this way, that way. I approached it from these angles. I can't figure it out. Now it looks like you've put in the work and you're just missing a small element piece. as opposed to right when you were a kid and you went up to the teacher. I don't get it. Well, what don't you get? I just don't get it. Right. <laughs> it was always that I didn't understand. Yeah. Right. And I, I was a, a lazy kid in like the early grades. Like I, I just I would. I would forget to do homework and I would just pull the, Oh, I didn't get it. They'd be like, well, what didn't you get? Well, I didn't understand. So I didn't, I didn't try it. (laughs) That only gets you so far in life. It does. And then eventually you learn not to do that anymore, but (laughs) it's the same principle. It applies. Just have a plan and, and, and have a neat, you know, a niche, have something, a space that only you occupy. You need to be unique, right? If you're going to be a, a content creator and, make a name for yourself, you have to come with something that most people either haven't done or a way that you approach it that other people have not mastered, I guess. 
right? Because being the same thing as other people is never a good idea. No. That's a really great way to get burnout. It is. And it's a, it's a great way to be met with frustration and a great way to be mm-hmm. lumped in with other people and say, yeah. same old, same it's, old. It's going to eventually, it's going to eventually lead to burnout. Right. And I know people who have tried to do it. I know people who have tried to hop into the exact same space I'm in and do exactly what I do and burnt out just like that. Yeah. You know, and it's a like, challenge again, it's a challenge. Not, that it's, not that it's hard, not that it's easy, but try it. Not that easy. <laughs> this is why I don't do it. <laughs> this is why I don't do it. You know, but, and it's not, again, I'm not begging content creators or people who are starting out, but trying to make that kind of a pitch to somebody who has put in work, built up a following, made a name for themselves, and then you're strolling in with your 998 followers and you're like, oh, I have, you know, uh, I got 50,000 views on TikTok and you're, you know, I, I'm like, let me go look at this. Right. And it's like the usual like Rolex hype piece coverage stuff. Like, okay, yeah, you hashtag the crap out of it. You got views for Rolex. You got views for AP. I, I know why you got 50,000 views. Not because your content is over the top amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's algorithm boosted. So, uh, I don't know. I guess my my thing is just there's no shortcuts. Yeah. Be persistent. Keep at it. Don't get burnt out, but stay in your lane. I guess that's it. Rant over. (laughs) Words for the wise. Words for the wise. Anyway, this is not a bagging on people episode necessarily. (laughs) Uh, A lot of new watches dropped this week. (laughs) <laughs> and we're yeah, gonna get to them. I don't have any uh real housekeeping aside from the fact that Nomo's sending me a deep pink 38 to take some pics with, so you're gonna see that soon. Uh we don't need to do new releases because everything's a new release. Absolutely. So this is basically a laundry list of new releases. But Geneva Watch Days was recently uh a thing. And was it though? I think some of the stuff was okay. Okay, all right. I you know, think on, it, honestly, it feels like uh, it feels like half, like look what we got here, and then half just brands just trying to flex nuts. Yeah, I just to be to be completely honest with you, I didn't even know it was happening. That's how much I didn't pay attention, and that's why when you were like hitting me with the idea for the episode, I was like, oh yeah, there was a watch event. I need to go back and read everything because it's just like. I don't know. I, I guess it's just different for me because when you're thinking of like what would be a you know a Basel or uh, watches and wonders or an SIH, SIH, you yeah. know, like yeah, like it's uh it, it's it's just to be expected. And I just forgot that like Geneva Watch Days is like a thing, but it's a relatively new thing. And yet here we are with some new new novelties late at the end of the year. So starting off, I'm going to give us a little little kudos here because <laughs> there's a few things that we absolutely nailed. Of course we did. Looking Call back here. <laughs> Call us the crystal ball, boys. So before we get to models, um, the purple trend is fully just it's, it's, it's a full rumbling send. crescendo right now. It's full send. It's yeah, full send it at is. this point. I saw... 
Um, and some of these releases talked about in this episode are not necessarily Jinnu Watch days, but they're they all came out in the recent week. Um, so Fratello did a limited with Japanese company. I'm gonna say it's Minase because that's how they pronounce things over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Purple Dial, pretty cool little watch. I've never really heard of this brand, and it says they're not that well known outside of Japan, but pretty cool little watch. Really cool purple dial. Kind of gives you sort of like Grand Seiko feeling about it a little bit. Yeah. At least th- at least this version does. Yeah. Because this is, I think, the second collaboration that they've done with the brand. Um, but they did it in a v- different variation. So um, obviously an independent out of Japan. But have you seen photos of their other timepieces? I have not. I've never even heard of this brand before. Today. Okay. Yeah. So So they came out, I think, maybe like two or three years ago and their first kind of like drop was a very like modern sports watch and it had a little bit of like you know the sport rubbery to like integrated bracelet type look to it but it was very much like a mashing of different styles like it looked like uh it looked like a grand seiko but then it looked like you know a royal loki type thing it was kind of just a mismatch it's got that amalgam like tiso royal oak grand yeah like yeah i get exactly what you're talking about it was during that period when like everybody was coming out with that type of sport dress watch yeah exactly now now it's not quite the same type of like fully integrated case like the like the case actually looks like a normal watch case but like we've talked about so many times on the podcast before a lot of their designs were very like futuristic looking. Okay. All right. So for any of you guys who are Googling this, um, as bro pointed out, Manase, M-I-N-A-S-E. The first model that I'm talking about is their blue dial. that came on either like a textured rubber strap or um, looks to be like a five link style bracelet. So it almost looks like an Omega, like diver 300 meter bracelet, like married to like a dress watch. Okay. Um, but very like dome dial, very angular markers and hands and everything like that. When you look at this watch compared to the one they dropped with Fratello, two distinctly different design languages. So my collector buddy um, that I've known for years and years and years, he actually has the original Manasseh. Oh. So I've seen it. It's beautifully finished. It winds amazing. It keeps excellent time. The 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 movement itself is finished very well too. But it's just a very like interesting design. Not one that myself that I would normally gravitate towards. But this purple one. I could mess with this. That's a whole nother story. For sure. And they call it the very Perry, I guess short for periwinkle. Maybe. But it's the they, I guess that's a pantone color. So that I yeah. guess that's where it comes from. But it's pretty okay. cool. Very cool purple dial kind of uh and it's got a, like a textural element too. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It has a, a pretty cool textural element that keeps it sort of light in some areas and dark in other areas. And then a red tip secondhand, which is a kind of nice yeah. little tidbit for legibility. I like that. Again, it kind of sports up a little bit of yeah. you know what would be otherwise a, a very um, a very dressy piece for sure. And And I like it, man. I love the purple color. I think it's a great choice. I like the texture dial. You get a little bit of an iridescence, so I don't know if that's the dial's treatment or if it's a semi-precious stone like Mother of Pearl or something. Yeah. But I'm getting, you know, 60s Omega Constellation vibes straight up from this case. 
I could I see mean, that. How could it not be, man? Like this is this is the CK's constellation for sure. And for all of the watches in this episode, this one comes in pretty decent. I think it's like three grand. Yeah. Not horrible. No, not as horrible. Far as, but as far I mean, as watches go these days. It, but again, you know, for, for the average person, that might be a little bit of a stretch for price point. Yeah, and for a brand you kind of never heard of. Exactly. That's right. I mean, this is this is a fledgling brand for sure. They've only had a few models. And this one is is very different than the other references that they have that, that they have released before. Um, so we'll see. I like it though. I think it looks cool. Yeah, keeping with the purple. So in previous weeks we had purple Monaco, yep. purple Panda Chapak. Yep. Right. Now even some of the more crazy brands out of here, your work Geneva, or Geneva, whatever you want to call it has dropped a UR100V known as the Ultraviolet, and it is purple AF. <laughs> you know, it's kind of got their signature off-the-wall look, except it's just very, very purple. Yeah. I mean, this is this is Urwerk's, you know, quintessential design language. It's just out there. It's crazy. Not a watch. That a lot I of would money. Ever, not a watch <laughs> that I would ever see myself owning per se, but uh, certainly, yeah, certainly a lot of a lot of design and engineering. You can certainly not take that away from them. They obviously do time in a very different way, but yeah, this is uh this is the ultraviolet. Certainly lives up to the name. It is uh, a lot of purple, but it looks good. You know, I think yeah. it's a cool color. And and I you know we kind of touched on this before when we were starting to talk about purple. I think uh, I think we kind of predicted it a little bit too in the sense that it looks like brands are just leaning into this color as you know not really like a ladies' color or men's color. It's just like we're just going full scent, like it's purple all the way. And it doesn't matter who wants to wear this, whether it's a guy or a girl, purple is going to be the thing. Yeah, that appears to be it. A watch that is not purple per se, but teeters, I think, on purple. Debitune came out with a perpetual calendar. It's got a moon phase. It's not purple, but I would definitely say it's a blue that is maybe leaning there. Pretty cool looking watch overall. Very clean. Perpetual calendar, I believe. Okay. I must have missed this one. I don't know if I covered so it's, it. It's a... It's got a Is blue, it... blue, blue outer ring, uh, moon phase on top, uh -huh. like twelve, uh, small date wheel at six, and then day and month at nine and three. Okay. Yeah, I must have missed this one, but I mean, Debethune always makes uh, some some pretty crazy watches. Yeah, I think it's and, their, their standard deal. Titanium, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, and 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 they they are experts at case finishing and dial finishing, especially when it comes to heat treatments and and getting very distinctive colors. Um, I mean, I I I still remember to this day that blue titanium case. It's just it's insane. It's insane. So, so um, you know this this is really no different. But that blue, you're right. It it really does teeter almost purple. It's almost like a lilac. I don't know what you call it. 
it's like a midnight blue, but it's 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 almost there. It's it's feeling it's feeling not the purple. It's just not quite purple. But yeah. I think purple is indeed here to stay. For sure. For sure. Other places, and- going back to previous episodes, I believe this was in 2022 wish list. I think one of the ones that made Schmidt's list, the Doxa Army. Yes. It is no longer just a limited edition. Yes, sir. I know you are hyped about this one. I am. I really, really am. Because... I mean, we had talked about we had talked about the the lawsuit with um, Synchron. Yes, with Synchron before we talked about that they had their own military. I think they called the military watch, if I'm not mistaken, instead of the army. Uh, but this watch, I love everything about it. I really do. I like that it's um, that you can get it in the the PVD black case, right? Because the first one was in uh, was in ceramic. And that case was amazing, but extremely expensive and only sold exclusively through watches of Switzerland. This new version, uh, you can get, I believe, the, the black case, uh, which is going to be fantastic. But my favorite is actually this new colorway, which I never thought I would actually like. It's green. Yeah. And as we know, green is a very hot color right now, but the way they did the green is, is very cool. So traditionally, the army used to be orange, you know, kind of a cream color and then black. And this new army takes it to a whole nother level because instead of the black, they switched it out for green. And I specifically love that they did the traditional, you know, aggressive cut bezel that Doxa is known for. But again, no traditional Navy dive table bezel. This is going to be a, you know, a traditional elapsed time bezel, but they did it in bronze. And I just think the green ceramic bezel, the bronze bezel ring, and the green rubber strap, this watch has a lot going for it. Really does. Yeah, now you can either get a bronze bezel or a steel bezel. So if you don't like the bronze look, you don't have to have that. And you can get, obviously, strap beads of rice bracelet and docs that comes in pretty reasonable 2250 on strap 2290 on beads of rice yeah 2290 2250 on strap oh and they're cheaper for the 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 steel not bronze 2090 right. steel on steel yeah 2290 2290 steel on steel with bronze 2090 all steel yes and then I'm 20... sorry. I, I was talking about the uh, the DLC version. I'm sorry. I misspoke. That I was, was gonna, ceramic I was, lo- I was feverishly looking yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was the ceramic model I was talking about earlier. Yeah, so now you can get it in steel with either bronze and steel or just all steel. And the all steel one basically looks like the original army that wasn't um, the, the PVD version. Right. Which was more of the rarer version to, per my understanding because i think one of the more qualifications of this watch was that it was you know one of the early watches with with a pvd yeah but even the cheapest one two thousand dollars two thousand fifty dollars for the steel bezel black rubber strap goes nicely with the black bezel huge contrast with the orange on the hands cream dial looks awesome like that's gonna I be love, a real I, real hard one to resist i think i love it i really do love it 
And this is the first time, to my knowledge, that I've seen green like this on a Doxa. Yeah, for sure. Definitely this green. This is like a hunter. It's hunter like green. a hunter green, uh, certainly a forest green, something very similar to that. I mean, again, it makes sense, right? It's the army watch. This is kind of a military green. So I like it. I think it's a home run for Doxa. Um, I got to get my hands on one of these for sure. Dave, I haven't bought a watch this year. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the one that I can sneak out. Uh, if not, then I mean, this is going to be normal production too, which is going to be great. So, uh, you know, if not this year, maybe uh, maybe next year. They have a wrist shot of the bronze bezel on the green rubber strap. It looks so it good. It looks really, really, really good. It's just a very warm tone, and that's what I really like about it. It's very warm tones. They look really fantastic. I love this kind of like, I don't know, the black and the white alternating color scheme on the dial. I just, oh man, so many good things to love. And this one I think would be a little bit different uh, of a Doxis style than, than what I have already. Um, so this would this would be a cool watch to drop into the collection because I don't have anything like it. That's for sure. And even more about this wrist shot is it's on a rare hairy wrist. You never, ever see product photos on hairy wrists. <laughs> Repping for the Harrys like the rest of us. Oh, I know, bro. I know. Hilarious. What are you going to do? Now, on to probably the biggest, at least most talked about drop of this whole yeah. week. One that I personally have been asking for for a long time. It's even predated in a meme back to, I believe it was April of last year, a 39 millimeter Pelagos. Yeah. Now there's some mixed feelings about it. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. I think people are in one of two camps. You're either still in favor of the previous generation who was it um was it jason heaton yeah it was jason heaton who said he likes the the apex predator version better yeah and i mean there was another article that he wrote shortly thereafter um that was officially launched on his uh sub stack so i'm not entirely sure what his finalized thoughts were but at least in that one post he still he still preferred the king of the deep so um we'll see i gotta go back and read that uh, additional article well, there are some differences between the two other than just sizing. Yeah. Right. From what I understand and from pictures I've seen, they took away sort of the matte styling on the bezel and the dial. The The other Pelagos is very, very matte textured. Yeah, it's got a grainy texture. Right. It's extremely flat. This, I don't know, they try to make it a little more dynamic, but I feel like that was very much what the Pelagos was. I feel like that flat look was was its identity a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I, I've said it in our group chat, and, and we've talked about this, and I know a lot of people are, are, are going to love this watch, and they're swinging over it right now on, on IG. And there's no, there's no reason that shouldn't be happening, right? objectively this is a watch that so many people have wanted correct right it's a it's a titanium diver it's 39 millimeters more in line with a vintage submariner you know this is the 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 tudor equivalent of a sub if you could take that as a as a stretch to me though unfortunately it's a very neutered pelagos you know 
what I loved about the Pelagos, I mean, hell, you had one. You had the blue one. Yep. What I loved about it was was things that were very distinctly different. 500-meter water resistance, helium escape valve, the way that Rolex designed it back in the 1960s with the op- with the automatic gas release system. You know, the incredible, crazy, on-the-fly adjustment diver's extension clasp that has been on Pelagos models since what? I don't know, 2015 when they came out? Yeah. 2014 or something like that? I mean, this is what made the Pelagos the Pelagos. It was weird to go to T-clasp from that clasp because that was pretty much the alpha clasp of clasps. Again, to me, it makes sense on a 58. Put it on 58. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. You get the on-the-fly adjustment. That's fine. But this is not a diver's extension clasp. I'm sorry. It's just not. You need more adjustment than that. And I feel like this is a watch that was made very much for the WIS community. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. This watch is going to sell like crazy. And we've already gotten insider information that the first production runs of these Pellies are going to be very hard to get. And they're only going to go to people with probably some spend history or some type of... Wait, (laughs) what? What's that? Is it meme accounts? accounts? (laughs) Yeah, right? The rest of us can go uh, take a long walk off a short pier. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the watch that everyone wanted. It's just not the watch that I loved that Tudor made. You know, it just, I don't know, man, something about the sunray finish dial, making it look to me more or more than less utilitarian. Like it just, it feels less of a tool to me. Now it's shiny and pretty and cutting it down from 500 meters to 200 meters. It just, like, why even start at 500 meters? You know what I mean? Like, if that was ultimately the goal... Why yeah, it seems a little arbitrary. Like, why didn't the, the original Pelagos just come at 200 meters? You know? It's like, why did we shoot the bar this high only to neuter it for the future? I just, I just don't know what this watch is. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who this watch is supposed to play against. Because if you wanted to play against the Diver 300 meter, you think you would make it 300 meters. Correct. Not two. Correct. A a lot of people, especially now that you can't really get Omega at a discount, say that, well, they're not really in the same class anyway. I could accept that. But then you're still going up against the likes of Zinn, who put out 500 meter divers. (laughs) Yeah. Now, again, there's Titanium, there's Tudor. It's a much more established brand. It's a household name. There's cachet associated with it. Again, this is a watch that's going to get a lot of community time when somebody's at the next meetup and they're rocking it on the wrist. Of course, everyone's going to want to see this watch. And and I know from the photos of everyone that has already gotten hands-on with this piece, it is objectively beautiful. It looks awesome. There's no question about that. This is a good-looking watch. But my hot take is I just don't think it's the Pelagos that we remember loving when it first came out for Tudor. I just don't think it's that watch. I think it's a souped-up Black Bay 58. So you're saying this is more the Tudor sub we never got as opposed to sticking with the identity of the Pelagos. Correct. 
I could appreciate that. I I just think I just think it marries the line between a fifty eight and the the five hundred meter Pelagos. Like it it's somewhere in between those two watches, and and maybe that's maybe that's the idea. We take a watch that is extremely polarizing for the community in the Pelagos, right? Five hundred meters, tough as nails, big, brash, and we're gonna marry it with the smaller, more likable BB fifty eight. And we're going to create a love child. And maybe that's what the Peli 39 is. Could be. It kind of splits the difference. Sizing there is there. You know, technology is there. And it's kind of the best of both worlds for the average the average consumer. Maybe that's the thinking. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just don't think that it's going to be. I just don't think it's going to be the tool watch that people think it's going to be. I think this is going to be your Black Bay 58 blue. I think this is going to be white hot and then, and then just fade eh, out like a... You can get them, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And again, you know, when you think about all the watches that are coming out right now, especially from Tudor, I just don't know where the focus for the brand is. I, I will tell you, I think their goal seemingly has been to make more wearable watches. I mean, I get that. Right? You got a Ranger in a smaller size with an adjustable clasp. You got this in a smaller size and adjustable clasp. Right? There's one more I, I can't think off the top of my head that they dropped in a, a wearable size as well. But I mean, the FXD, right? Oh, like that's FXD. Still, that was the one. Yeah. So FXD. It just didn't then, have a bracelet. And then you have the 58s, right? So I, I think they are moving towards more wearable overall because I think people were saying these watches are refrigerators. I don't want to wear them. They're cool looking. They're sporty. They're tough. They have great specs. But at the end of the day, I don't want to keep this watch because eventually it just becomes an annoying wear. Right. So I guess that's where I mean, they're headed here. Still to this day, man, I, I just want to track down like an original chronometer certified. No, not chronometer certified. To this day, I want to track down an original Pelagos. It was chronometer. It said rotor self winding. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Okay. I, I just couldn't remember, but it wasn't an in house movement at that time. Right. The two liner. The two liner. Correct. The OG. That, yeah. That one may not have been a chronometer, but the one I had absolutely was. Yeah. Because the one once they went in house, then yeah, they were all chronometers. But I think the original two liner was not. I think it's an edit movement. It was an edit movement. Because it had a lower power reserve and all that stuff. But, I mean, I remember holding one, and I was just like, man, this is a very impressive watch. And I would still try to want to track one down. If I was going to go with a modern 500-meter Pelagos, it would be the blue. But the original two-liner did, did things for me. So, And now your other main differences here. I like the red text on it. I think that's a nice touch. I think that's Obviously, cool. yeah, it, I think it's it cool. goes that goes for a premium in Rolex. I don't think people care as much here, but I think it looks really good. Yeah, but it's riffing it. So, I mean, people are going to like it. It's a little bit of pop of color on an otherwise, you know, Spartan dial, essentially. Yeah. So, I think it's warranted. I think it's necessary. I'm curious about the choice of a no date. I don't think I don't think a date would have thickened this watch up too much. I feel like, I don't know what the choice would be. No, but with, I, with no I, again, that's why I say this is the Wiss dream watch. Because the Wiss community is like, oh, it's not symmetrical. It's going to, you know, what we put a date at three o'clock. What are we, you know, like, no, man. It's just like, it's because the average 
consumer that's going to buy this one watch and wear it, they want to date. But the WISC community, they're going to want the sterile no date. So this is a watch that, to me, just appeases the WISC community. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm conflicted. I mean, I, I wear a lot of watches without dates. I have a lot yeah. of watches with dates. It doesn't necessarily bother me. But the fact that people get so persnickety about date placement, date, disc, color, you know, how the date is integrated into the overall aesthetics of it, it just it drives me nuts. The, a date serves a functional purpose. It's to give you the date. So it's just one less thing that the average consumer is going to have or want in that watch. Because typically, average people are going to want to have a date. It's the collector community that, that wants no dates. Yeah. Yeah, I have found that out. The date watch is so much better. Yeah. I guess I mean, from a pragmatic standpoint. Yeah. It's just because it's a convenience factor. That's why watches started having dates in the first place. But, you know, somewhere some time ago, somebody decided that, uh, you know what? No date watches were the only way to go. And all date watches are stupid. It's not true. Dates actually serve a pretty great function. Now, the burning question on everybody's mind is, will they release this watch in blue? And my answer is, I'm not sure. I don't know either. I'm not sure if that steps on the toes of the FXD too much. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Now, this setup was the same setup that they ran with the LHD in the original. So I'm wondering if maybe to differentiate, they can make a blue LHD tutor if you are listening just do that make a blue LHD this way it doesn't step on the nuts of the FXD, FXD and it can be its own unique piece and it gives you something to differentiate from the original Pelagos as well I think, that, you know, I think that that would be a way to satiate the crowd for sure I mean because we always forget that there's actually three different Pelagos style references right you had the black dial you had the blueberry dial and then you had the LHD with kind of the vintage patina dial, right? And they had the red text. Yep. So I think that that would be a happy medium, but I also think you'd have to lose the red text for the blue. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to be cohesive and or congruent in the design language. But, you know, that maybe that's a way that you do it. I mean, and already now the precedent is set for LHDs, right? You get the Tudor LHD, you get the freaking GMT Master LHD. I mean, it, it. what's another one? LHD, so hot right now. <laughs> so hot right now. No. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a good way to, to satiate it. Now, here's the question. Do you stick with the same color blue or do you go something completely different? Oh, I would absolutely stick with the original blue. It was too good. Yeah. I would. Or you could do something like a marine nationale blue, which would or be... give me or do maybe just do a blue bezel in that blue. Yeah, black dial blue bezel. Or you really want to get funky? I was thinking about other colors that they could possibly drop it in to really kind of mess with people, and I was thinking because they like to try to take shots at Omega, it would be interesting if they did a white dial black bezel, like the probably the most popular. 300 meter right now because then they could keep the red text and it uh-huh. would probably look pretty badass aside from that i'm I don't sure know, that it would i'm sure i don't know what, would. what else you would get like a maybe like a kermit setup or like 
Yeah, but people have been asking for that for years, and 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 I don't think that that they would deliver that. Yeah, I think I think a blue LHD makes sense, and it's out uh, there enough. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's, and, not and, enough and people again, are, want that, right? Not enough people are are clamoring for that, like a Kermit. <laughs> no, I mean I don't know though. And here's the thing: were people really clamoring for the original LHD? Tudor just did it. And people were like, that's kind of cool, or it's not kind of cool. Like, they're also not in the position where they have to care. Yeah, they just you throw know? things at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. I mean, they're not beholden to shareholders. They're not publicly traded. If this watch com- takes a complete downturn, it doesn't really affect anybody, per se. You know? So, I mean, I don't think, given what we've seen from both Rolex and Tudor, that a blue LHD... 200 meter Pelagos outside of the FXD is actually not out of the realm of possibility. I feel like it can get done. I 100% think it could could get done, especially because it would be different enough from both versions. You got the black hand RHD, you got the left hand in the blue dial, and then you have the FXD with no bracelet in the blue dial. Right. And it has a right hand drive. That was my line of thinking as well. (laughs) Again, we're kind of splitting the difference between the two here, right? 500 meter Pelagos has a baby with a with a BB 58. This is what we get. The Peli 39. Like that's kind of like where this happens, right? So what what better way to make a, a new Peli than to to marry the FXD with the with a new release? And boom, there you go. Now, needless to say, if I got that beautiful blue in this watch, I would definitely check it out and maybe have to buy it. But I think if, if I had them side by side, I still might lean old one as well. I just, and maybe it's just nostalgia for me. Maybe it is for me. (laughs) Maybe it's just nostalgia for me. Maybe I'm just too much of a hater, but I don't know, man. It's just, I, I know like when we had, you know, the Ranger things episode, like I know this makes sense. I know it makes sense for the vast majority of the watch buyers out there, whether they're casual people, they're actual collectors. Like I know it makes sense. But if I had my heart of hearts, if I had my way, we would have gotten a Ranger 34. We would have gotten a new 500-meter Pelagos. And hell, if you want to do something different, why not give me a 500-meter Pelagos with a GMT? Like, just really just blow the game up. You know? I know Jason Heaton and James Stacey have been asking for that watch for forever. Because here's the other thing, too. The people that love the OG Pelagos, they love the OG Pelagos. There wasn't really anything that I ever saw or came across on the forums, on any type of ownership stuff or any type of article that really said that this watch sucked, with the exception of maybe, what, the five lines of text? Yeah, that's always everybody's gripe about that watch. But, I mean, again, that makes sense because it doesn't need to say, Pelagos, officially certified, rotor self-winding, and then the water resistance. Like, you could just eliminate rotor self-winding. Like, we all know it's non-matic. If you know, you know. Or you just put it on the back. Like, it's not a difficult thing to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this isn't, you know, it always frustrates me when watch designers do this. Like, I understand that you need to put silicon hairspring on the dial because the average person probably doesn't know that. But if that's the case, just put it on the case back where it doesn't have to obstruct my dial. 
you know? But even in all that, to me, the 500-meter one is still, still king. How could oh. it not be? unconfirmed because i've heard this both ways i had a well we had a friend that was at sort of a tutor unveiling and he asked the tutor rep what the lug width was and he kind of just said 20 and didn't seem that passionate about it i've seen people claim that it is a 21 millimeter bracelet i wouldn't doubt which it. would be unbelievably tutor no it would be unbelievably rolex that's what they do. That's what they do. As soon as you think you get what you want, they just take one more thing away from you. It's like everyone's like, oh, the new 41 millimeter sub, perfect 21 millimeter bracelet. Now, I'm curious about that myself because I don't know if a 21 millimeter bracelet necessarily works with a 39 millimeter case. It's all dependent on proportions. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I, I, there's definitely not a lot of those floating around, so I, I'll be curious. It might be one of those like twenty point, you know, two. But even, but even still, <laughs> man, if it's if it's got some if it's got some carryover, then you know that uh, makes it even harder. So frustrating. There'll always be a gap if that's the case. But let me let me just see if I can if I can find out. Not sure. on the website. It's not on the website. Are you sure? T-fit clasp. Ugh. Um, yeah, man, I can't. Uh, you're right. It's not. It's got to be a 21. If it's not on the website, it's got to be a 21. Ultimate troll move. <laughs> 4,400. You got your ultimate, uh, your ultimate Pelagos, but. God forbid you ever change it from that strap that we supplied you. Okay. I, mean, I think now that we've killed that, beat that to death, we can go off to some more happy releases. Uh, so Oris dropped a 12-hour bezel, Diver 65, caliber 400. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. I don't have a ton to say about it, but I think it's good. This is this is for me a, a take it or leave it. Yeah, like I can I can see why people are going to be excited about this watch because it objectively is a nice looking timepiece, right? But it's not a revolutionary timepiece, right? So I think if you don't have a diver sixty five in your collection and you like the idea of a twelve hour bezel, I think that this makes sense. I think it would be a great option to add to your collection. I mean. I love the Diver 65. It's a very thin platform. It's a great watch from Oris. This one is going to be upgraded with the Caliber movement, the Caliber yep. 400. So you're going to get the the you know the best of their in-house stuff. It's obviously going to be a little bit more expensive, but I think overall this is a great package if you're looking for something that is like that and you don't already have it in your collection. Yeah, I heard a couple of people gripe because it has a 12-hour bezel. It could have been a GMT, blah, blah. Eh. I mean buy it or don't, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, but that same circular logic, it's just like you know, this the the C Master 300 Spectre, like, oh, it could have been in a GMT, like, yeah, but it wasn't because we designed it with a 12 hour bezel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it it it's okay. James Stacy has been rocking a 12 hour bezel on his SKX for like 10 years. It doesn't have to be a GMT. The GMT bezel will do that for you. 
all the boys rocking their cues are getting real mad right now. They're like, yeah, we've been doing it for a long time, man. We can still track it. Well, that's the funny part is it it gives you a a chance to track an extra time zone. It just doesn't give you a chance to track two extra time zones. Yeah, exactly. And here's here's the reality. As often as I travel for work, never in my entire life have, have I ever had to reference two different time zones at the same time. Okay? And here's the thing. All you boys out there that are using GMTs, the majority of you are not traveling anyway. So your GMT is just an ultimate flex thing. It's okay. I understand. Yeah, I'm I don't think I've, I don't, I wear divers, you yeah, know. I, I don't I don't use the extra hand, but it certainly looks good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just nice to know it's there, right? It's kind of bumping around, floating around. Looks nice in pictures. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it just makes you feel more sporty, right? Yes. But no, I think this is, again, take it or leave it. I think it's a great watch. If you don't have already something like this in your collection, this also might be a good alternative if you missed out on the Houdinki Ellie that they did, what, last year or the year before? Yeah. It's got something very similar in that kind of vein. Um, the hour markers are slightly different, and, of course, it didn't have the 12-hour bezel, but you know, it had the diver's bezel. But I think other than that, you're still getting five-day power reserve watch. You're getting the caliber movement. It's in-house for Oris. It's going to have some anti-magnetic protection. Um, plus, it looks like a bear when you flip it over, which is kind of kitschy and cool. Yeah. I think it's cool. And then they also put out some more Mother of Pearl in yep. 36 mil Aquas. Pink, blue, green, kind of similar to the cotton candy motif a little bit. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. guys, if, if you want, if you wanted to, if you were making a watch to donate next year, we can we could do that. Just I mean, kidding. 30, 36, <laughs> uh, 36 Mother Pearl Pink, right? No, but um, speaking of, speaking of, hold up. I think, I don't know if you saw this. I think Hublot is really trying to get in on this action. Did you see? <laughs> I did the, see it. They claim that watch is purple. That shit is not purple. That thing is pink as all hell. It's like summer purple, it's called, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, summer purple 42. Like, that look, thing looks like it was dipped in Pepto-Bismol. Hey, I don't, I'm just doing a cursory search. Did you see the, the Hublot Big Bang one click? No, come on. Uh, You might want to take a look at that. One click. One click 39. I'm going to get Hublot targeted ads now. I know, right? <laughs> Oh no. Is this diamondy one? It's got like it's like steel, but it's literally the art podcast colors. No, that's definitely not the one I'm looking at. Okay. I'll have to send it I'll have to send you a photo of it because I'm like looking at this, I'm like, yep, that's uh that's it right there. <laughs> Even with the alternate colors, we we got it covered. All right, I'll send it to you right now. The cheesy bang, the cheesy bang, baby. I like it, but yeah, this uh, this uh, summer purple, uh, it's an interesting color because it's definitely <laughs> not purple. It's thing is out there. Imagine giving away a hublot for charity, though. I mean, that would be kind of epic, but it also be the one time somebody turns it down. They'd be like, uh, yeah, you you could just give it to the next the next one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, bro, like, uh, 
I thought we were friends. It's like friends don't let friends wear hublots, right? I don't. I don't need this evil on me. Right. I know. I know. But look, I mean, objectively, they do cool things. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw mass shade, um, especially because like this watch is ultra light and everything is made out of aluminum. Like it's it's kind of cool. So, you know, more power to people that love hublot. Sorry to all our boys and girls that might be listening in Miami. So, there you go. $22,000 for the Unico Summer Purple 42 millimeter Big Bang. But back to the Aorus. <laughs> um, so, three, three <laughs> dial colors, a uh, little mini Aquas. No new movement there, but uh, I guess a more friendly unisex look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess sort of a more is more feel there. That's about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's some more options. Um, you know, I think that this was probably going to be a little bit more targeted towards ladies, which will give them some more color options. Obviously, this, the, there's men out there that are wearing 36s. And again, there's nothing overly super feminine about these color choices that a guy couldn't wear them comfortably. Sure. But I think, you know, given given the size and, and, and the colors are a little bit more on the pastel hue side, um, that maybe they're more feminine options. And I think you said it right. I think it's kind of like if you took the cotton candies and you just made them in steel cases versus uh, versus bronze and obviously in an aquas versus a Diver 65. And then pretty much the rest of everything came out was straight up just flexing. Yeah, a lot of flexing. So Moser still out here trolling with Vanta Black, but <laughs> in a tourbillon, and in gold actually looks really good. I yeah. think we both like this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the I, hugest streamliner fan. You're not the hugest streamliner fan. But I'm not, this man. one, I'm not. I'm this not. one is quite nice. I know, I know our buddies from, from other podcasts are like they're really about the streamliner. Yeah. And I I understand the technical prowess that goes into making something like a Moser. Uh the same collector buddy that has a Manez has that has a Moser um diver and it was actually one of the first of its kind to ever hit the u.s he got like one of the first allocations so very cool i've seen this watch for for years for him and it's a great watch moser's an incredible brand but i've just never liked the streamliner i just thought it was always kind of visually incongruent because you know it had this very like sculpted case this very svelte design Everything was integrated, you know, especially because that was very popular when the Streamliner was introduced. But it mixed it with like this rally dial in true, you know, Moser fashion, right? Like just when you think we're going to zig, we zag, you know, kind of like, you know, what we do. And they came out with this flyback chronograph. And then eventually there was a time only version and, you know, all this stuff. But I just felt like they were like very sporty dials matched to like a very like somewhat elegant case. And I just didn't think it ever made sense. And now this Vanta Black Tourbillon really makes sense to me. I think it's I think it's badass. Another gold watch. Interesting. Enough. Bulgari has Octos in gold now to celebrate 10 years of Octo. I had no idea the Octo came out in 2012. 
like I swore that they were like one day while I was have been a watch collector that they were like, oh, we have this Octofinissimo and it's super thin. Like everybody give us praise. It was not 2012, <laughs> but apparently yeah. there was 2012 models. I looked I looked back and there's a gold one there. So I have a gold one again or a couple gold. I don't know. I I I had no idea this watch went back that far. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of appreciation for the art of this watch because all of the Octo Finissimos have just been getting even more and more and more and more impressive over the years as they've as they've come out. Um, obviously, this is an art piece, and and um, I think we've touched on this before. Uh, I can respect it. There's a lot of brand credibility that goes into something like this. And there's a lot of flex because it takes a certain level of technological prowess and know-how to be able to make these watches ultra thin with complications, all this crazy stuff. I mean, just Stupid not that NFTs long ago. On the dial. Yeah, just not, not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Bulgari did the NFT, right? Where they where they had their uh <laughs> they had what is it, a QR code laser Bro, etched I had a funny I had a movie. meme lined up for that that I didn't post because I thought people were gonna get a little chapped about it i mean it's it's, the meme there's a meme of there's a famous template of drake reading his phone and on the top it's like him like opening the phone on the bottom he's got like his jaw open like he's looking at something absurd and so the top was going to be the guy scanning the qr code and the bottom was going to be that picture of the dude with his it was going to be a loading picture of the dude with his large member out but like it didn't get to the bottom yet and so obviously oh. Drake was disappointed because that was the <laughs> NFT that came with the watch. That would have actually been pretty epic. It was, I'm not it, in lie. my mind, it was really funny, but I was like, oh, I, I don't know. This is where you had to sometimes temper creativity. Yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely not for everybody. But yeah, and, and I don't know if everybody would know what the bottom half of the picture should have been that wasn't loaded, <laughs> but I would have known. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, again, and, and what's interesting is like we already got a 10 year anniversary celebration Octo series because it came out at watches and wonders. These are the versions with the sketch dials. If you remember. Yeah. And now I guess we're getting it in gold. Guess so. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I love and appreciate the technology and, and goes what goes into these watches because they are it truly impressive just for me. And I said this before, I just don't know if this is going to be the style watch 10 years from now, five years from now. Are people really going to want this look? Is this going to be the timeless fashion that everyone is looking for now in 10 years? And apparently it's been around for 10 years already, so maybe, but I don't know. We'll see. And they also just dropped, I don't know if you saw it, an all-mirror finished one. Yes, I did see that one. The dial looks like one of those games where it's it's like a... It, it used to be a toy, and it was like a square, and it had a bunch of pins in it, and you put your mm-hmm. you could put like your hand or your face in it, and it would show... Yep. Yeah, the pins, that's what the dial looks like. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like they just went to the Grand Seiko factory and just went nuts on the Zeratsu polishing <laughs> wheel for the entire thing. I have to imagine yeah. this thing is like bling-bling in person, like it just blinds you. Because that's what it seems like, but yeah, I mean, I, this is one of those watches too, where it becomes more about the artist representation rather than the functional art. Yes, hundred percent. So, I mean, I I get it, I get it. I don't need to know the time or it, 
yeah, be able exactly. To see. When you when you spend this much money, it doesn't matter, uh, which is true. I mean, arguably, that's that's very true. So, uh, this one's a limited edition piece. It's in, looks like it's three hundred and sixty models, so truly a limited edition. Um, but yeah, mirrored finished dial. So it almost looks like really like the hands are floating. Yeah, from what it I can does. see on the on the on the rendering. So, which is kind of cool, but again also begs the question is like is this legible enough for me to utilize as a watch that uh that remains to be seen and then we from there we just go on to flex flex and more flex yuli sardan dropped some rainbow watches some mid-sized divers and then a, a larger skeletonized rainbow gem set watch yep. if you're not in a rainbow this is not for you plain and simple yep and one's a tourbillon so there yeah. you go what do you uh, think, man? I mean, uh, I you know I'm gonna be honest. I really don't pay attention to these watches. Like I when I when they come out, I look at them because I want to see what's going on. I want to yeah, see for sure how the the bigger and more. Well, I don't want to say bigger, but more expensive, more exclusive brands, how they're moving trend wise. I like to look at. But aside from that, I'm never buying any of these. Even if I had the dough, I'm still never buying one of these. Yeah, and somebody posted here on the comment of this on on Monochrome. It said, I remember when Ulysse Nardine made beautiful watches. However, they keep producing overpriced, incongruent timepieces. Sound absurd? I own two Ulysse Nardines that are beautiful without mayhem absurd dials. Someone else commented, you're 100% on the dot. And I think that this this is kind of highlighting some of the things that are, that are interesting about Ulysse. Um, you know, for many, many, many years, especially when I first got into watches, like you would think about Ulysse and you would think about the freak. You would think about some of these crazy complications, the er erotic models, like all of this crazy <laughs> art stuff, right? And even some of their diving watches and stuff like that were still very expensive. And now I think that they've really been struggling to sell or get people kind of into the brand. And so they've had to make less and less and less expensive watches to kind of keep the lights on, if that makes sense, at the factory. Because I keep seeing, you know, more of these divers that are like 10,000 or 8,000 or whatever. And it's just these rainbows are no exception. They're like, you know, 13, 1400 uh, of 13,000 or 14,000 Swiss francs, which, you know, it's pretty comparable to US right. in, in money. So, but then I look at something like the Torbion, and like that's impressive, right? That makes sense, and it also makes sense given the price point, right? Like it's eighty five thousand Swiss francs, but then you're juxtaposing that with. Two divers and thirty-nine millimeters with rainbow diamonds at twelve thousand nine hundred Swiss francs, according to the price. Kind of strange. It's a little strange. So you're making these uber high-end pieces, and you're also making kind of lower-end pieces too, which is interesting. On from there, uh, MBNF has a split escapement legacy machine, kind of a alternate layout to the regular legacy machine that we're used to. 
again, I don't pay a ton of attention to them. They make interesting stuff, just not my cup of tea. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of respect for this brand. I actually really do like MBNF. I will never be able to afford one of their watches um, because they are astronomically expensive, but it makes sense. They're beautiful watches. I'll never forget the first time I was looking at an MBNF Legacy Machine 1, and I remember staring at this watch for such a long time until it finally dawned on me that I could see the escapement floating over the dial, which it's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be underneath the movement. Right. And that's when I was like, okay, this is something that's a lot different than what we see normally. And I fell in love with it. And since then, we've talked about this several times in the pod, you know, the Elaine Silverstein versions that have come out over the years, like those legacy machines, I would, I do do very bad things to get those watches. So I have a lot of respect for them, but you know, to your point, it's hard to keep track because they keep coming out with consistent fire in price points that are not accessible for me to even pay attention to. It just becomes white noise. So if you're out there and you got that kind of bread and you can get yourself a legacy machine, go do it. Because it really is an impressive piece of art. And these watches are designed and engineered by you know some of the most gifted, talented minds in the watchmaking industry today, period. But for me, MB&F, it's only the legacy machine line. I don't like anything else that they do. And last but not least, Audemars Piguet drops a couple of Royal Oaks. One a little more in the traditional look. You know, tapisserie dial, flying tourbillon, which is interesting, in teal, which is very non-traditional, and titanium. <laughs> also a little bit, you know, less traditional. Kind of, yeah, kind of a strange one, but I think it's a pretty decent looking Royal Oak. I mean, I'm sure people will go nuts for it and nobody can afford it. Yeah. But it'll look good on your favorite basketball player. Exactly. This one this one has kind of like a gradient dial, right? Is that, yeah, is that it's, it's pretty nice. At? It's it's. It's a good look. Because they did one before with a teal dial, and it was a tourbillon. Do you remember this one? I don't remember what it was for, though. It was in platinum. Oh, okay. It was platinum and titanium, limited edition, with a power reserve indication. But this one had more of like the Tiffany color dial. Mm. Whereas this other one is 1970s Orient teal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like that Orient diver we talked about a few episodes back, right? Yeah, this one was more of like that, like Tiffany, like aqua blue color. And it looks like these are LEs for, oh, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, this was, uh, these are LEs for the United Arab Emirates. So these are UAE limited editions. They only made 10 of them. Uh, and they were basically a mix between titanium and platinum. Mm. Manual wine tourbillon with a power reserve indication. Really beautiful looking watch. Just, you know, astronomically expensive. So uh, this, I think, is maybe taking that style code a little bit further and adding in the blackened periphery. I think it's cool. 
the dial also has a little bit more of like an iridescent effect, it looks like. Um, but I mean, it's an AP tourbillon. Like, what do you? That's what I mean. After we're done talking about this, it'll go in the part of my mind with all the rest of the APs that I have forgotten, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I've worn an AP. I, I've, I've worn a, uh, a skeletonized AP for probably about a week or so collector buddy of mine. Let me borrow one, one time. And it was very cool to say that I, that I got to wear it and it, I could see why it was so beautiful and everything like that. An amazing, you know, watch, but you know, honestly, I didn't like the bracelet. I think I've touched this, touched on this before. I didn't yeah. like the bracelet. Uh, I basically have no hair on my arms, and it was a hair puller, which I, you know, take that for what it is. It looks awesome when you rotate your wrist in the sunlight, but when that link catches you just right, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like a Seiko 5 bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you and I have both been shaved over the years by Seiko I have. 5 bracelet. I certainly have. And then they also put out a perpetual calendar in blue ceramic, which is actually quite interesting. It's cool. It's um, a cool watch. It's cool that they that they were able to, to master you know ceramic, especially when it comes to bracelets. Because let's be honest, it's very difficult to become a master of ceramic. And, you know, my favorite brand has been doing, you know, ceramic and even blue ceramic for so many years now, um, but they don't have a version with the blue bracelet. So I think it's uh, it's very cool that they're that they're carrying this forward. It's a really vibrant blue. Yeah, it is. Uh, out there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's blue. <laughs> but I mean, again, it makes sense. It's a cool it's a cool piece for them to do uh again perpetual calendar like that's already a complicated watch so we'll see this watch on ed sheeran and john mayer and all those guys who can be rocking you know ceramic uh perpetual ap's but for the rest of us lay people um you're not getting a, a royal oak neptune sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> yeah i guess that, yeah, maybe that's what we call it, right the the royal oak neptune the neptune um, ceramic i mean it kind of looks like the neptune right <laughs> uh good old moon swatch that you can't get right now um yeah man i think it's cool but uh, this is just another hypeware piece uh you know like i said ed sheeran john mayer they'll be rocking this watch on stage in a concert maybe some guy walking down wall street will have one but you know this color blue is also a very interesting color because to me when you look at it it's like it this is a hard watch to wear all the time yeah it sure is it's just, it's a very vibrant color. Like the white ceramic, okay, that makes sense. It's a very Miami watch. The black ceramic, okay, that makes sense. It's a little bit easier to wear because you can wear black watches. But blue ceramic is very out there. Take that for what you will. I think it looks good. I would wear a blue watch every single day. The vast majority of the public would probably not because it's a blue watch. Um, but then again, the vast majority of the public cannot afford this watch. So maybe it's just another flex piece. Yeah. So that kind of concludes the flex segment of Geneva crotch days. Um, Geneva crotch days. And basically the whole thing, I mean, you know, it's, it's not really a, as much of a trade show as the ones we mentioned earlier that there's not yeah. such a huge offering. And I, 
I guess it's an opportunity to drop some stuff or, you know, pepper in some releases that you didn't get out earlier in the year or that you pushed back. Um, but I think kind of like you said, it's almost a, a forgettable event at the end of the day. Yeah. So eh, I guess it is what it is, you know, the more the barrier type of deal, but I don't think anything, uh, anything really earth shattering came out of this. I mean, the, the 39 Pelly is cool, but again, there's so many questions surrounding it and so many little things that I think people are unsure about right now. Yeah. So we'll see, I guess, but uh, I, I'll definitely try to check that out. I'll see if I know I work near a pretty prominent New York jeweler. So maybe I'll pop in one day and see if they got one yeah. just to check I mean out. Like I said, I think I think it looks really good. I think it's going to satiate the vast majority of the consumer public. It's just not going to do it for me. No, I think I think it's going to sell like crazy. But oh, absolutely! There's I just no, don't. I don't no, know if no I will question. be adding it to my collection. I yeah. know people close to me are already looking at it and already trying to move stuff. Yeah, but, but I don't know if I am. Yeah, yeah, no. We'll see. Maybe it just means I finally have to go pull the trigger on an, o, on an OG Pelly. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I was trying to kick around if the if this one became a darling, if the old ones would come down a little. I don't think they will. I don't know. At least not initially. At least no. not initially. Because the other thing too is like every every single time I see the I see a, somebody wearing a Pelagos, it's usually the the five liner or whatever it is. And not the original like, eighteen liner. liner. Yeah, the eighteen liner. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, it's uh, we'll see, we'll see what the market's gonna do with the with the now discontinued versions. But I just must... think, I just think, like for example, when the fifty eight came out, the forty ones, not they nosedive or anything, but they were definitely less desirable at that point. Oh, for sure, for sure. So it's always gonna be the case. So maybe you get a little psychological effect like that yep but you know if there's anything that's uh the, the flip side could also be true because i know uh when omega discontinued the 1861 Speedmaster for the new 3861 everyone started to go out and buy the 1861s before they were officially done yeah i did hear that so it's it's kind of interesting because it can work both ways it just depends on the desirability of that respective collection so we'll see man we'll see so I should probably stop talking about how good the other one was. <laughs> yeah, it's it sucked. It was horrible. Uh, all right. I think that's about sums it up for episode 46, unless you got anything else to add. No, man, I'm good. I'm good. All right, then. Until next week, we will catch you all later here on Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast. Schmitty, Take- be good. Take care, guys.